Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, a show designed to help current and future Rotarians find purpose through service. Our show's promise is a dedication to sharing stories, experiences, and opportunities for those searching for service and how Rotary has been the organization to bring it together. As a reminder, the goal of the show is to grow the Rotary family by connecting through service projects. I'm your host, Kelly Kirk, and with me, Joseph Kirk, and we have a very, another very special guest. And I really think that you guys are going to start to see a theme here. Uh, We are going to be driving towards having guests on almost every single um, show episode, but we are very excited to have Gayla Holmgren on for um, a little bit more discussion, deep dive into preschool for success. And so for this first section, though, we're really going to dive into who is Gayla and um, what has she done it, as her role in Rotary. And so... First of all, welcome, Gayla. Yes. Thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> That's all. Well, yeah. thank you. Welcome. I'm excited to be on the show and to visit with you. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. We, we feel honored to have you. And um, we, we had an opportunity to hear a little bit about your story um, before, you know, starting the, the show itself, a couple of days before the show. And so we're really excited for the rest of our um, listeners to have the opportunity to hear and learn and grow from you as well. So um, let's dive in, though. We Let's dive in and learn a little bit more about, about you, Gayla. So first and foremost, how did you find... Rotary? Well, I found Rotary. Um, uh, actually, I was a high school principal at the time, and I was bringing students to the Rotary meeting and dropping them off and leaving And uh, because uh, they had a, a junior Rotarian program where they had them come once a month or, or four times a month, I guess, really. And um, one time, uh, one of the Rotarians said, why don't you stay for lunch? And so I did. And uh, actually, that was in 1988. And in 1987, the Supreme Court had ruled that clubs and organizations couldn't deny women memberships in organizations because of gender. Mm -hmm. And so this was 1988, and they were just starting to admit women. So they ended up inviting me to join, and I joined then in 1988. I was one of three women who joined that first year. Um, there was kind of mixed reviews on it. Uh, some of the organization <laughs> members uh, weren't too excited about women joining. Uh, they actually had a few members quit. But generally, I found people very welcoming, and it was a transition to have women part of the organization. I think we enhanced it, but uh, I got real involved. Um, I loved their mission for service above self, and I got very involved with different projects they did throughout the years. I uh, got into a leadership role, uh, secretary and president-elect, and eventually became uh, president of the organization 10 years after I joined as the first female uh, president of the organization. And wow. I've been very, very involved ever since uh, chairing committees and uh, doing service projects. And I just, uh, I love the organization. This organization in St. Cloud, the Rotary Club, is just pass- passionate about doing service to our community just a wonderful group of people. That's that's so wonderful. And I can see Joe across from me. He's He is itching to ask you a question. But before he does that, I wanted to just share real quick. We forget how 
it really like it feels like it was so long ago, right? 1988, but mm-hmm. it really wasn't that long ago if you really look at it the, uh, in the in the big picture, the grand scheme of everything. It's like okay, it actually had, like the involvement of women hasn't been in place as long as we think it has been. So, no, no, no it has not. And I think now we're close to 50 percent women in our club, and I think throughout the state the numbers have greatly increased. And we've had several female presidents since then. So they recently did um, uh, kind of it was a 10-year anniversary or something. They they gave all the female presidents a really nice brooch uh, with women on it reaching to the sky, and it's called Breaking the Glass Ceiling. Oh, wonderful. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did you share which club it is that you're a part of? I don't think so. I'm with the St. Cloud Rotary in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Okay. There's two clubs here, but we're at the St. Cloud Club, and there's another club that's a morning club. Okay. Uh, so I think it? we oh, almost I'm sorry. 100 I'm... years we've been in, in um, uh, you know, uh, existence in, in, the, in the area. So wow. Long time. Gail, I have a follow-up question to, you know, you were a trailblazer through a really interesting time when there was massive transitioning happening in Rotary. Mm -hmm. We really feel like we're kind of coming into a second transition in Rotary where it's, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, women and men, it's more generational and it's more, how do we engage people? Like they perceive service differently than they used to. And it's, that's what's, you know, created the cause base clubs and, and, and other things that have begun to, you know, stream out from this. But, you know, what's one piece of advice that you would give Rotary and Rotarians to help guide them kind of as we're coming into this second change? Since you really lived through the first really large change with, um, you know, women really becoming a a large part of Rotary. Well, I think a lot of clubs um, through the years have done smaller projects, donated money, um, you know, to a lot of different causes in the community. And in St. Cloud here, we developed something called the Signature Project and decided to really focus some funds and some efforts into major projects, one major project in the community, and making it um, a long-term, a multi-year project. So we'd look at the community and the needs in the community, and we'd take on one of those projects. And it also involved not just, you know, donating some money toward that cause, but what we call boots on the ground which meant we had to get actively involved in that project physically. And some of our signature projects have been we had um, a Pathways for Youth, uh, a homeless resource center uh, for youth, and we had Rotarians that remodeled the building and got that all set and volunteered with the program once it was up and running. We uh, renovated Lake George uh, right in the center of St. Cloud, and then began um, a Wednesday night uh, concert series during the summer, and we all volunteer for that, uh, 12 nights a summer. Uh, we developed a, um, in unison with other partners. That's the other thing. We bring in other partners in the community, other agencies and organizations and businesses for these bigger projects that we're doing. We did a cop house um, in a high-need neighborhood that had uh, higher crime rates, uh, and uh, a resource center there for the community and police officers located there. And so Preschool for Success is just our latest signature project. But that's been the trend, and I don't know that that's true throughout the um, 
uh, state or throughout the Rotary organization, but I do think it's a trend, and it's definitely what our district governor wants to do district-wide throughout Minnesota is develop a signature project that we can make a major impact in and actually be actively involved in doing something with it, whether it's volunteering in the classroom or pounding nails and painting, but um, both money and efforts. Do you, do you feel like that the longer term projects are helping with membership and, you know, keeping people interested in, in say, maybe they maybe they got involved in Rotary to support a signature project. And because the project lasted, you know, a couple of years or, or, or is mm-hmm. is the focus that they end up tending towards Rotary because of that? Absolutely. Uh, we have seen our membership go up significantly, and that is not a trend across the nation or in the state. And yeah. largely it's because of our signature projects. Take our um, a re- renovation of Lake George, fishing piers and and, and, uh, and the shorelines and so forth and pavement, um, and then the concert series. Uh, it's a very visible thing we're doing for the community, and people see it and they want to be involved. Uh, Definitely, it, it has increased our membership and increased people wanting to be involved. Plus, partnering, partnering with other agencies when we seek donations to renovate Lake George or seek donations for that cop house, uh, it gets them involved, first of all, financially, but then secondly, they, they want to be part of the organization because they see the difference it's making. So absolutely, it makes a difference in uh, getting the community involved. Really interesting concept that you. I love the signature project. Yeah. I, I think that that's amazing. And um, we, we have about a minute left before our section wraps up. By the way, so okay. Just, well, it, our membership was about a hundred for a lot of years, and now it's up to one hundred and fifty. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, that's significant, and I and it's yeah. because of our signature projects and our partnership with other organizations too. Okay. Very cool. Just really quick, we've got a couple seconds. What is the uh, what's the project that you are most proud of? Well, I think it's going to be preschool for success. Cool. So just starting, I really do think that <laughs> is, that is going to be the one that we are going to be so proud of and and have such a significant impact. But it's in its infancy right now. Definitely the renovation and the the summer concerts at Lake George have just been a wonderful community builder to see people of all races and all ages uh, there enjoying the music and and the other activities that are there. Uh, It's certainly been a significant project. Very cool. Well, thanks so much, Gayla. We're going to actually tie that into our next section. And as a reminder for all of you, you are listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. Hello and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. I'm your host, Kelly Kirk, and with me is Joseph Kirk. And we're going to um, dive back into, just as a reminder, we have uh, Gayla Holmgren of Preschool Success on as our guest. And um, our last section was really getting to know Gayla, but we want to know further um, about Gayla and her involvement in Preschool for Success. So, uh, Gayla, let's go ahead and dive in. How about, let's talk about how Preschool for Success got started. How it, oh, that's a, yeah, go ahead. 
that's a very interesting story um, because actually it came out of a book club. Was, All great things come out of a book club, right? <laughs> it, was, um, it was a district-wide goal. Actually, I think it was a national goal, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you maybe remember that if, 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 since you're in a Rotary Club. Mm-hmm. We needed to develop some goals uh, in, uh, to address those issues. And so we had a, a group that got together, we, kind of a book club. We call, uh, call it a night of erudition. Sounds a little serious, doesn't it? Uh, but anyway, we get together and we did some reading about the topic and had a speaker come in. And uh, as we had that discussion, it, we really began to focus on the achievement gap. And we had information about the achievement gap in, in, throughout the state in our own community. And, and we just were appalled at how terrible the achievement gap was. As we continued to do research, we found out that, you know, 90% of the human brain is developed by age five. Mm. And uh, 35% of the, uh, 30, not 35%, 35,000 kids uh, in 1921 weren't ready for kindergarten. And we just thought this was appalling and we needed to do something about the achievement gap in our community because that was really affecting um, the success of, of, of high school and the success in your community. So um, we, through that discussion, we came up with the idea after talking to school district administrators that the best way we could do that was focus dollars into preschool because of that importance of those first five years and the fact that so many kids weren't ready for school. And so we had discussions, and we had the school district present to us, and then we came up with this idea that preschool, focusing on preschool, would help um, uh, improve the achievement gap. In fact, we came to realize it really wasn't an achievement gap. It's an access to opportunity gap. And so that's where it began, through the book club. Can you expand a little bit more on the gap for access and and what First of all, what that means and then what the organization is doing to close that gap? Yeah. What that means is that um, there are many students in poverty, English language learners, uh, homeless students that qualify for preschool um, based on state guidelines. However, the funding that is provided to the school district is not adequate to meet the needs of all those students. So we found out in our community in, in 2019, there were 250 kids who qualified for preschool, uh, but there was not adequate funding to provide it to them. So that's the access to opportunity gap. You qualify for preschool because you're in poverty, because you have that uh, at-risk need, but there isn't the funding to provide it. So how many how many students has the organization uh, helped thus far, and what are its goals? Well, uh, so far, we ha- our very first year, um, maybe I should tell you a little bit about what the program is first. Oh, sure. Um, and Gila, yeah. I do just want to, I want our listeners to understand what your, your role specifically is with Preschool for su- Success, because I don't think we tackled that. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I am the co-chair of the leadership team that put the program together and has been um, implementing it and monitoring it and setting the goals and, and um, uh, overseeing the program. We have a leadership team. I have a co-chair, Gary um, Marsden, and um, we essentially put the program together and worked with the school district and uh, are overseeing its, its 
the program now. Uh, the program is a pre-preschool for these kids that qualify, that are meet the qualifications because they're in poverty, uh, but aren't able to get into the school district program because they're um, of the insufficient funding. Mm. And what we do is we provide funding for um, teachers and uh, paraprofessionals. Uh, we use um, the, te- the school district hires the teachers and paraprofessionals. We use school district curriculum. We have added components uh, of field trips, field trips to different things in the community, um, businesses, uh, museums, parks, uh, those kinds of things. We call it experiential learning because children in poverty often don't get out in the larger community and have that learning experience of experiencing of that larger community. Another component in the preschool for success is a volunteering we have Rotarians volunteering in the classroom. Uh, we have uh, volunteering on the field trips. We're using Rotarian work sites as field trip sites, like our first one was the History Museum. Uh, and we also do community events with the families of the children in the program. We had one recently called Pizza in the Park. And uh, we, it was uh, near the Cop House and near the Boys and Girls Club, where one of our high-need neighbors, neighborhoods are. And we gave out literacy bags with um, a blanket that had been handmade, a child-sized blanket, and books. And we had seven booths there with workforce development and center care and other agencies in the community. And we gave out 500 literacy bags that day in the community event. So the, it's, the, it's the preschool with the district teachers and curriculum, but also the expanded part of it with the field trips, the volunteering, and the community events that make up our preschool for success. That's that's really wonderful. I mean, it, I'm, I'm a little awestruck right now with how it, you said it started in 2019, correct? Yes. Well, let's see. The, actually, no, our first year was 21-22. This is our second year. That's incredible to, like, know about um, all of the involvement, too, that is there, too. So... So to go back to what are the goals and aspirations for this program? Is it is it meant to be a complete stopgap for um, those that are left out? Well, our our goal is by actually twenty four twenty five to um, eliminate the waiting list in our community, and uh, we also want to increase the volunteering in the classroom and the community events. Um, and then very important, in addition to the eliminating it by 2024, 25 in the community, uh, we want to work with legislators to increase the funding statewide mm. for those students that qualify, those students in poverty, so that there's no waiting list throughout the state for those children. That's our goal. That's a lovely goal. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. For, for those listeners out there that are being inspired or brought to action through... Um, through, through this interview, um, Gayla, where can they reach out to you or the organization? Um, what's the best place for them to reach out to you? Well, probably uh, uh, their own Rotary Club in their community. Okay. And okay. this information about our, our project, what they're calling a, a model project, uh, is being shared with district um, throughout the uh, Rotary District in communities across um uh, the metro area in central Minnesota. So if they reach out to their local Rotary Club, 
they're getting information and they're setting goals for this kind of project in your community. So that would be the best place to contact um, for first steps. And, of course, they're always welcome to contact anyone in, in our community that's on our leadership team, myself included, or the co-chair. Mm-hmm. Uh, the district governor is a member of a district assistant governor is a member of our club and has been a real champion of the project. Um, so that's I think that would be the best way to reach out. Wonderful. Yeah, I was just thinking that we would want to make sure that the listeners um, who are tuning in that are not a part of a rotary have an outlet as well and um, being able to possibly queue in with you and um, have that opportunity to serve alongside you as well. So um I think in the next segment here, we're going to tease this a little bit. We're going to talk about how COVID was a challenge for the organization as well as it probably helped you empower yourself to develop processes and systems that really have allowed it to succeed on the level that it's, it succeeded. So we're really excited to hear more about that. And uh, can you give us just a 30-second teaser on what we're going to hear about? Well, there were some real barriers the first year, and we really struggled. And we have resolved a lot of them in the second year. But I I think it's important to address the barriers because each new club is going to experience barriers in their community as well. 100%. What a great little teaser. So thank you so much, Gayla. We're excited for this next section. And as a reminder, you are listening to Searching for Service, brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. My name is Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. And as a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platforms. And while you're going to those platforms, leave a review, a five-star review at that. We would appreciate it. Yes, we would. (laughs) So as we lead into this next um, segment, a reminder to our listeners, you are tuning in with our guest, Gayla Holmgren of Preschool for Success. And um, for this for this particular section, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into um, preschool success and, you know, the importance around the uh, mission and then some of the challenges that you guys have faced as well. So, um, Gail, I'm going to, I'm going to let you take the platform and share, cause I know that you had a couple different topics that you wanted to tackle, um, and make sure that our listeners, uh, had, had some, uh, insight on. So I'll let you take the yeah, platform. I really wanted to talk a little bit about the, the, why we're doing this. You know, there's the humanitarian part of it that we've talked about a little bit, the brain mm-hmm. development happening in the first five years and, and the high um, uh, ready, the 50% of kids not ready for kindergarten in Minnesota. Yeah. But there's another whole economic aspect to why we need to do this, too. Uh, the Star and Tribune said in May of last year that there's a 7 to 10% return on investment when you invest in preschool. And uh, our uh, Rolnick from the Minneapolis um, Reserve Bank in Minneapolis said that there is uh, $1 for every $16 back to every, every dollar invested has a return of $16. So it's 
So there's an economic value there. And even the U.S. Chamber of Commerce has said, let's see if I can say this right, early childhood is one of the most effective strategies for the future strength of a community. That's mm-hmm. really strong evidence that we need to do this from an economic standpoint to the, the brain drain when we're not getting those kids ed- educated and they can't be a, a contributing member of society and might even be a cost to society and higher crime and, and um, their social dependency on social um, services. Uh, uh, services. Uh, that's a real um, detriment to a society when we aren't educating children to be able to be a productive member of our society. There's also a lot of research that shows that um, long-term benefits of preschool. One of the most exciting ones was the Perry study in Michigan that was a 40-year study with 122 kids. And they had a control group that did not have preschool, and they had the other half in a preschool group called um, uh, the Perry Study, and they found that the control group had a graduation rate of 60%, and the group that had the preschool had almost 80% graduation rate. So a very significant significant graduation rate, but then they also found, because it's a 40-year study, they found that they had higher earnings, better health, less likely to be suspended, less likely to be in special ed, which is a costly item to a school district, Mm -hmm. Um, lower crime rates, um, all kinds of benefits for being in this program. And that was similar to another uh, long-term study that was done uh, in Washington, uh, Washington, a state of Washington called the Washington Center for Equitable Growth Study. And they found very similar results, higher graduation rates, less dependency on social um, dependency programs, uh, better health outcomes, higher employment earnings. So there is a real economic value for us to invest in preschool as well as a humanitarian one. So I just wanted to get that across, that that was part of the research that convinced us we needed to do preschool in our community. Well, it sounds like that there's a real compound effect of starting correctly, where, you know, you start you start on a path and then you can continue on the path. But, mm-hmm. you know, finding the path in kindergarten, first and second grade seems to be very difficult to for the development of the kids. Is, would you? Would Definitely. You, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I mean, it's just it's I mean, it goes for so much in life, right, is how you start is how mm-hmm. you tend to finish. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forgot to mention in, in our preschool for success, there's a component where we are gathering research in our kids, too. And we're going to follow them through their 12 years of high school and middle school. Yeah. And we're going to gather academic information, you know, social development information, you know, suspensions, uh, uh, those kinds of things, and gather that data over the long term and uh, see that we're making a difference. Oh, how, how exciting. Like that, that, that'll be so useful, too, when you come into the larger – expanding mm-hmm. the program statewide and having um, more and more data to support those findings. I mean, at some point, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we all know it in, instinctively, too, right? Yeah. I mean, we all go, yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense that if, if you know, we support as many people as humanly possible – in preschool, in kindergarten, mm-hmm. that they're going to have more structured and more successful mm-hmm. lives. I mean, it's just intuitive. 
Yeah. I mean, you think about the benchmarks, like I, I, my, my degree is in elementary education and you think of the, the benchmarks that a kindergartner, um, like they're first starting out, right. If they don't have preschool, I'm just thinking back to those, those days. And, um, it, it was probably easy for individuals to look at kindergartners coming in and going, Hmm, (laughs) something's not connecting here and why, and how can we be better? And, you know, then you just take the, take it a step backwards and, um, start with the preschool. So I, I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. So um, let's... Well, our preschool teachers tell us that, that kids come in that have never held a pencil, don't know how, how to hold a pencil, that mm-hmm. don't know any letters of the alphabet or any numbers, can't count to 10, um, that don't know how to behave in a classroom, you know, can't control their motor skills. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's a, a real necessary what? program to and it becomes systemic, correct? I mean, so then if if they're coming into, you know, kindergarten without the skills, the teachers are spending a disproportionate amount of the time bringing them up to speed, which, I mean, is necessary, but just but just having those skills. From, mm-hmm. So so it's systemic as it continues mm-hmm. to impact. And I'm, I'm assuming the data shows that as the, the child progresses, the disparity becomes larger. Yes, in fact, and our teach our uh, teachers in our district tell us kids that start behind stay behind. They don't yeah. catch up. Yeah, mm. yeah, and you know, Joe was just kind of alluding to how you know where it starts and how it continues down that path too. So, yeah, that's it's incredible to hear the the why behind it. Gila, do you want to touch? I I thought something that was very interesting in our conversations before was how COVID impacted the organization and how you overcame them. Because I I thought it was very, um, I was very shocked at how well you guys overcame your challenges. So yes, uh, there were challenges, and and maybe we were a little ambitious. It was less than a year of planning (laughs) before we, you know, uh, implemented our first classrooms. But our first barrier was uh, school district was excited to have our help with this and being willing to help fund a a program and and components that we wanted to add, but they didn't have classrooms. So we put our minds to work and and, uh, contacted our partners, and we ended up our first year uh, doing classrooms at two of our boys and girls clubs. And Mm -hmm. um, it was an advantage that boys and girls clubs were located in some high-need neighborhoods, and so we had to do some remodeling there, you know, order furniture and supplies, a few more costs there, do some security changing on the entrances. But we started our, our first year in classrooms at the Boys and Girls Club. And it was a wonderful partnership. And uh, it mm-hmm. is, it, we have lots of good partners that have been helping us with this project, and they're just one of them. Then our next challenge was that... Um, they didn't have enough buses, and then they didn't have bus drivers because of the COVID situation, uh, and and still is there. Yeah, bus drivers are very difficult to find, hmm. and then with the COVID situation, too, it was better in 2021 or 2020, but there were still um, restrictions on the classroom. We couldn't get volunteers in the classroom at that point because they were still wearing masks and still had restrictions on volunteers. We couldn't take them on field trips. So it did kind of um, uh, shape our program a little differently that first year. But I think it was still very valuable. We 
only had 22 kids. We were set up for 60, but um, parents aren't able to get their, especially parents in poverty, aren't able to get kids to a preschool if they have to provide their own busing. Mm -hmm. So that that prevented some of them from uh, enrolling. And then, of course, even the COVID threat prevented some from enrolling Mm -hmm. and not starting their kids at three or four years old. Sure. So there were some real challenges that first year, but I'm very happy to say that we have overcome most of them, I think, if not all of them. Cool. We now have classrooms uh, in um, in the school district buildings because they've got space this year, and uh, we have buses and we have bus drivers. Beautiful. And they have now opened it up so we can volunteer in the classroom and do field trips. So we are ready to go. We have 96 students this year, so we went from 22 to 96. That wow. is, uh, so we're yeah, very excited, very excited about that. A- absolutely incredible, and I think let's let's go ahead and tie that into our next um, segment here, uh, talking about the expansion and how how that expansion has happened so far, plus further how it is how you you plan to expand. So thank you so much for sharing that. As a reminder, you're listening to Searching for Service. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. Welcome back to Searching for Service, brought to you by District 5950 and 5960. As a reminder, you can find us on your favorite podcast platform. I'm Kelly Kirk. And I'm Joseph Kirk. And as a quick reminder, we do accept sponsorships for the show. So if you are looking to sponsor your business or an organization and you want to help sponsor the cost of this show, please reach out to the show page. You really chimed in there real quick. <laughs> I was like, where's he felt, going with I, this? I felt Lloyd's voice in my head. Like, <laughs> I was like, he's just, he's taking the baton now. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Back to you, Kelly. <laughs> All right. Uh, to our listeners, uh, we have our guest on um, Gayla Holmgren of Preschool for Success. And our last segment, we were kind of wrapping up um, some of the, some of the challenges that you have faced so far with Preschool for Success, which actually um, you have successfully overcome and are continuing to overcome some other challenges as well. So let's, um, let's just kind of continue on that trend. Well, and let's talk about the future. Like we, we teased it yeah. at the end of the last segment and, you know, this has been thus far, St. Cloud has really been the one that's you know, tested and, and um, you know, really brought this to fruition. But it sounds like that you have some pretty large um, aspirations of where this goes. So mm-hmm. really excited to hear about that. Yeah, we do. Um, our um, One of our members of the leadership team here in St. Cloud is John Baudet, who is assistant governor in District 5950. And, of course, he's bent the ear of uh, the district governor, Lloyd Campbell, and he got very excited about our project. And the district governor has um, asked all clubs in the district to adapt a preschool for success model in their community. So we're looking mm-hmm. at 73 um, uh, clubs throughout the metro, west suburbs, and central Minnesota. 73 clubs 
that are going to be looking at doing some kind of preschool for success or some kind of preschool program in their district. So we're very excited about that, and we're very busy helping them come up with ideas and giving them the resources they need to do that. We put a bit, we did a video of our pro, uh, program here in St. Cloud, and we're call, calling it kind of a model program. It's going to look different in different communities. And we put together all kinds of print materials, um, steps about how to get started, a series of questions to ask your school district, because that's one of the first steps is to meet with your school district and see what the needs are, and sample flyers and donation uh, letters and so forth. And next week, we're doing a webinar with all of the presidents. We already did a Zoom with all the presidents. Our leadership team did a, a Zoom with the presidents to kind of let them know about our project, answer questions. And next week, we're doing a webinar with all of the district presidents and um, their uh, potential co-chairs of the projects. And we'll be uh, going through lots of different um, discussions, lots of different resources, and helping them brainstorm how they could do some kind of preschool program in their district or in their community. What an appropriate so what an appropriate time for you to be on the show too. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we understand now. <laughs> and, yeah. and what an ex- I mean, because this this show reaches not only our fifty nine fifty and fifty nine sixty. Uh, Rotary members, but also those that are interested in service opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine anybody who has any sort of um, desire to be involved in uh, helping educate our young kids and helping them gain access to those necessary resources and can help support them um, are going to be extremely mobilized by by your call. I mean, uh, I've been utterly just taken aback on mm-hmm. not only that 50% of all kindergartners are not ready, but also that there's just this lack of real understanding because we excel so much in other parts of education. It's yeah, almost it's like strange. we just forget about it. So yeah, it's been amazing to hear a little bit more about that. And um, do you have any personal like dreams of where this organization goes? Well, it would be wonderful, first of all, to see every Rotarian club uh, being actively involved in preschool in their mm-hmm. in their district, whether it's helping to provide scholarships for kids that uh, can't afford it, whether it's helping with um, uh, field trips and volunteering in the classroom or a community event, or even sometimes it's just uh, helping the school district find bus drivers. Um, sure. uh, because that's been a real need for them for for whatever it is the need is in the district for that uh, in that school district for the Rotary Club to get involved and help them and to stay involved you know uh, and then the bigger question the bigger purpose will be to work with the legislature to get funding adequate for those kids that are on the on the waiting list and the influence that St. Cloud can have with legislators is good. But the influence of District 5950 and 73 Rotary Clubs will be much Mm -hmm. greater. And we can get the message to them for the need and the support we need for it. Well, and this this show is also uh, funded by 5960. And, you know, I I don't see you stopping there either. And, you know, um, 
I That's just, very true. Yeah, um, yep. Our district governor has been speaking to, the, I think there's three districts throughout the state, uh, Rotary districts, and they have been speaking to the other two district governors, and that is the potential, too, that, that every district, every uh, district um, Rotary Club throughout the state will get involved in preschool. That, that right. would be our goal. And then to work with legislators to get that funding increase, to get those kids on the waiting list, all of them, uh, into preschool. Well, and I think a simple call to action to everybody that's listening to this is whether you're a Rotarian or not is to engage your local mm-hmm. Rotary Club to ensure that they are taking on this um, this project seriously and, yeah. you know, even better yet to volunteer to lead it. Sure. So how's Absolutely. that? How's that, Gail? I, I just I just did a nice call to action for all the Rotarians out there, <laughs> <laughs> just for you <laughs> and non-Rotarians and, for that matter. <laughs> right, that's what I was going to say. Uh, you don't have to be a Rotarian to get involved. You know, you can yeah. you can volunteer to read in, to kids in the classroom. You can volunteer to uh, attend one of the community events and network with these uh, low-income families that uh, are struggling. Uh, there's lots of ways you can get involved without being a Rotarian, too. That's fantastic. And, you know, I was actually going to ask the question, you know, because this show is really geared around education and uh, service projects to both non-Rotarians and Rotarians, is I want to speak to the non-Rotarians for a second. You know, a lot of people don't know a whole lot about Rotary, and you know our goal here as the show is to educate them on what Rotary is and how it's a great vehicle for service. What is the one piece of advice that you would give somebody that is listening to the show right now uh, about Rotary or about service in general? Well, Rotary's um, mission is service above self. Mm-hmm. And we have four components of service, service to the club, service to the community, um, service to vocation and, and children, and international service. And so um, I think that, that uh, it's just in general, service is so important to your own happiness and your own personal growth. Uh, the rewards it gives you are just as great as the rewards you give others when you involve yourself in service. So I would just encourage them to uh, seek out opportunities to do service. Um, you know, I recently heard a speaker, and her take on it was simply say yes. Yeah. Uh, we need to say yes more when someone asks us to do something to say yes, because it not only will serve a purpose to enrich other people, you'll grow and learn from it as well. Well, I'll say yes right now in that it has been an absolute honor to have you on the show and hearing about yourself and preschool for service. And we couldn't be more honored to have you on as a guest and really appreciate all that you've done for for Rotary, for preschool for service, and what you're going to continue to do going forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Gayla. It was such an honor to have you on. Quick little teaser for our next podcast and show episode. We will have Mr. Tom Gump on. Yeah, Tom is the former district governor for 5950, and he is going to join us, and we are going to talk a lot about what he's working on. Love it. As a reminder, it's time to stop searching and start serving. <laughs>